Welcome into the booth. I'm Joel Klatt. What a huge win for Oklahoma in this renewed rivalry with Nebraska. The 50th anniversary of the 1971 game of the century, and it was a great game here in Norman today. And, and I just want to address the Nebraska fan base. I understand that you're growing impatient. I understand that it has been tough to watch this rebuild. But I would just encourage you um, by stating that that team is really good that I saw on the, t- uh, on the field today. Uh, defensively, they're tough. Offensively, they played r- very efficient at the skill position. Uh, obviously, the offensive lines need to clean some things up. This came, this came down genuinely to special teams. Nebraska, you lost the game because of two missed field goals and a blocked extra point. Th- that's it. It's a seven-point game. You did enough to beat Oklahoma on the road. They're the number three team in the country, save for the kicking game. So it, it is closer than you think. I understand that it's tough. I do. I get it. For 30 years, you guys finished the AP poll ranked. 23 of those 33 years, you were ranked in the top 10 to finish the season. And, and listen, I know you want to compete for national championships, and, and you want the era of the Osbournes and the Devaney's back. I understand. But just understand that this was a, a very deep hole that Scott Frost and his staff was trying to build out of. This team is way better than they were even last year when Gus and I called their game against Ohio State. They're tougher. They're cleaner. All of those different things. It's, it's at that moment where they're going to have a tipping point into winning some of these games. Their last eight football games, uh, the losses that they've had are by a total total of 28 points. So they're 28 points away from having an eight-game win streak. I'm telling you, it's this close. It's a razor's edge. They clean up just a couple of things. They are right there. So Nebraska fans, be patient because I believe still that Scott Frost and this group of experienced players is going to have a big win coming down the stretch of this season. They're going to beat one of the following teams, Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, or Wisconsin. I fully believe that in my heart, that they will get one of those big wins moving forward. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Just came back from an amazing weekend down at OU. Let me just say to Sooner Nation that you were a class act and know that that hospitality you displayed will be returned in full when you visit Lincoln next year. Go to Red. That will be awesome to see that in Lincoln. Um, mm-hmm. Also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to announce some breaking news that uh, the American Athletic Conference had been looking to uh, merge with the Pac-12 South, but after this uh, weekend's football results, they decided those teams didn't add enough cachet to the conference, so that's no longer <laughs> going to be happening. So. <laughs> It was a really rough uh, weekend for the Pac-12 South. And if it wasn't for USC mounting a comeback, it could have gotten really ugly, right? But um, I, it was not a pretty sight, especially at the end of the, end of the night when you're watching Arizona State uh, go down and, and um, Utah, et cetera. So, um, but enough of the Pac-12 here. This is a, a Big Ten-focused podcast, Honky, and uh, Big Ten Nebraska Went down to Norman and uh, gave everything we had to uh, the Big 12's perennial champion, Oklahoma, and almost came away with the victory. Um, and you were able to enjoy that in person. Uh, Want to give us a rundown of the trip? Yeah, I went down there as a fraternity kind of get-together for uh, several of my friends, Jim, Jeff, Gary, and Tony. Gary and I, on the way down there, we stopped in Stillwater I'd never been to Oklahoma State before, you know, got to see the stadium, went to the, the offices, Got around there and everything, and then we went over to Eskimo Joe's and, uh, you know, had some uh, lunchtime beers and talked to a number of Cowboy and Sooner fans. Boy, they don't like each other at all. No, And, the, no. and they're really not fans of each other right now. I talked to this older Oklahoma couple that were going to be going back to Oklahoma City that night. They're Sooner fans and, you know, season ticket holders. And they were talking about how great Nebraska is, and they have this one contact, Dan Penzik, and I'm like, Who? And I'm like, you're kidding me. This is like the smallest world. So Redcasters, Dave and I coached uh, youth football in Lincoln for a number of years. We coached Cole, who uh, you know went on to be a center at Nebraska for a number of years. And Dan's a former black shirt and played in the, for the Saints and everything. Well, anyways, um, yeah, this guy knows Dan. And, oh, they're going to have a party tonight at 8 o'clock and on the north side of the metro area. And we're invited to that. And it was so far away. We never ended up getting a chance to make it there. But he called up Dan and we had a chance to say hi to them. And that was nice. 
uh, it was just a, a really cool football weekend. And so by the time we get down to Oklahoma City, uh, you know, we do the the whole Husker alumni thing on Friday night, which was at Fastler Hall in downtown. Johnny Rogers, uh, Rich Glover, Ted Carter, Herbie, you know, all the dignitaries that are there. And we uh, you know, had beers and, and good food. And, and it was just all every place we went to and we met with Sooner fans. They were amazing. Everybody wanted to talk football. It was the absolute opposite of uh, going to Champagne, And uh, it was just a really cool football environment. I'm really glad I went there. And then the game ended up being, you know, a really exciting four quarter game too. So, you know, short of the victory, it's about everything we could have hoped for for the weekend. Yeah, that's exactly right, Honk. Um, sounds like there's a, a lot of uh, respect between the two fan bases down there, apparently, huh? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, <laughs> definitely a lot of respect. You know, we got done with the game and uh, we went into like kind of their O Street area of Norman. I've never been in that before. Yeah, it's cool, huh? Oh, yeah, it was real cool. And, you know, talking with a bunch of fans, and they're just awesome. Just they were amazing and they're looking forward to coming up to Nebraska next year and they're, they were, you know, giving encouraging words of we've been there before. We've had some down years and we know what it's like and you'll get it back, all that kind of stuff. And we start walking back to our cars after that and we go around the stadium. And this is like two, three hours after the game and the doors are open. So my buddy Jeff's just like, here, let's go in. <laughs> so why not? So we just walk right in, go right down the tunnel where the boomer schooner thing, you know, runs through. In the, and then we just go on the field, just start taking photos of everything uh eventually we got shooed off by somebody but i mean it wasn't a big deal and just a real good time and right as we're leaving kevin suits 10 11 he was just sitting down and he was just kind of taking a moment after doing all of his work during the day and it was kind of neat to see him i went up and talked to him we've interacted on you know social media before and everything and it was just kind of cool like he's he was just kind of taking a moment to enjoy this empty stadium as we all were you know it's just kind of being fans for a second just the fans of the sport and uh we start talking to him and uh, I brought up Dave, Michigan State, oh, who yes. we play next week. Um, yes, we do. We, we have our own little story with, that kind of involves Kevin in a, in a weird way. We stayed at the worst hotel, and I, I take credit. I got it for us. Yes, um, you did. Um, it's, a, it's a name brand hotel. I won't call them out on this. Why not? Okay, days in. So, yes. <laughs> and They deserve it. It was 33 bucks a night. And I should have told you something, honky. Well, I was like, how bad can a day's in pot? Like, all we need is a clean place. I mean, 33 bucks a night. It was going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Well, Dave, you can go on. How was it? It was the worst hotel of all time. And honky, you've actually had a lot of bad hotels on any of our trips. Um, You're not not um, good at booking hotels, but this one in particular appeared to be very close to being shut down. Should have been barely um occupied and barely had employees uh were doing anything there um it did look felt like you were in a murder scene at times Didn't uh, have i carpet. think your room was yeah. next to a a former uh bedroom or former hotel room that had been turned into their breakfast buffet of some oh, sort. so you had all that smelled, noise right it there. smelled so bad and there were bugs and everything everywhere and then oh yeah Part of the hallways didn't have any carpet. Anyways, we oh. get out there that Saturday morning, we wake up and we're going to get ready to drive down to the to the football stadium. And lo and behold, there's Kevin Suits and someone else from 1011 yep. like, fill, filling up their you know vehicle to, to go down there. And he is filling up. He just looks at me and he just shakes his head. And I, I'm shaking my head. And we're all like, this is awful. I brought that story up to him. He just starts laughing. He said that he had just told someone in the press box about that exact same thing since they're you know, planning their trip there that night. They didn't even go back. They were supposed to stay the night after the game. Cause it was a night game. They just drove back through the night. You know I mean? That's how bad the place was. <laughs> so anyways, it was, it was a good weekend. We really enjoyed uh, <laughs> it. was a fun time in Oklahoma and that's good. Uh, with a nicer uh, hotel. I hope. Yes. Much, much nicer. We were in downtown Oklahoma city and, uh, and the food was great. The, the drinks were great. Everything was great. Except for, for the, uh, the game at the end result, right? Boomer. I mean, uh, a lot of folks would not have predicted a 23 to 16 game. I mean, although Honky uh, last Monday on, on the show said that if we were going to win, it'd be more on a 24, 21. And if it wasn't for uh, some special team snafus, um, that, that prediction might've came true. Yeah. Snafus is being polite there, Dave, but uh, you know, we'll address that later. I'm it's sure. almost as bad as the days in and in, in yeah, they're, they're on similar par. I think the, the Yelp reviews for both will be similar uh, this week, but uh, no, you're absolutely right. The game was way more, I think, exciting and close than 
pretty much anyone anticipated. Heck, if you went down the you know Husker Max predictions for the game, nobody had anything close to that. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of great positive takeaways we'll talk about from that game, and you know a few of the negatives that keep rearing their heads. But I think you know, it, it's never great to lose, but if you're going to lose, at least you know it wasn't an embarrassment, and you fought the whole game, so definitely positives there. Yeah, I mean the, the negatives ultimately I think lead to a, a loss, but from a learning what the team is about and what they have in them, uh, we did learn a lot of positives out of that. So, and you got to good. watch all four quarters with interest. That's yeah. nice too. Yeah, I think that's an area where you saw the improvement. It felt like we played a full game, and we've heard this a number of times. It wasn't a victory, but it was a moral victory. You can't have too many moral victories in a year. In fact, I'd go as far to say you can't have two, but we can have one, and now it's time to start getting some real victories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, break down the offense and defense and also talk a little bit about uh, the Spartans here. And now, scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown just going to continue to harp on the guys if we play with speed and precision uh, we got enough talent to be in every game that we play um, you know this this league's tough we're going to have eight conference games I think five of the eight are ranked right now um, I don't think there's a team that we can't play with and aren't going to have a chance against but if you don't play well any of them can beat you and that's kind of where we are that's kind of where the league is so uh, mistakes get you beat they've gotten us beat too often and um, we need to keep being intolerant all right hunk uh offensive breakdown time scoring explosion you know we saw uh, one of the best games that adrian martinez has played at nebraska i think uh, i don't think the interception was too much on him it was a fourth down and ultimately served as just as much of a, of a punt as anything else um outside of that i mean i think i saw somewhere where he was perfect from like completions inside, you know, 20 yards or less. I mean, uh, ended up going, I think only had six incompletions all day, played a really good game, even though he was harassed, uh, just didn't get, get enough points across the board. Right. Yeah. And harass is a good way of saying it. You know, Mac and I, last week we had, you know, our, our critique that we, we got some negative feedback from people on it. We got some real positive feedback on it too, from some people as well. Um, we were a little bit harsh at times on Martinez with his pocket presence. And, and as I listened to it, I, I always try to think that we're fair in how we critique. The one part that if I could clarify it, I would say if he doesn't have great pocket presence, it could be understandable after four years. That guy has run for his life a number of times. For the last couple of years, he also had snaps that were inconsistent. That's gone away this year, so that's helpful. But uh, that guy played his balls off <laughs> i don't know how else to say he just played an amazing game i thought on saturday of course i would like to have seen a little bit more option for what it's worth that didn't yeah. happen i got to watch a lot of option actually in the florida alabama game afterwards and florida ran it all over alabama that's exactly what i'd like to see to be quite honest with you so it is possible in this day and age but besides that i i just thought that he was so cool and so calm in those conditions, I mean, he looked like a fourth-year player out there, and it showed, and he made some big plays. We had three uh, plays of 30 or more yards. Oklahoma had none. You know, yeah. I mean, you say that before the game, and, you know, I don't think people would believe you. The offense, I wrote things down here. I've got two columns, the good and the bad, and we can kind of go through, through each of them. I'm sure you guys have the same. There's a little bit of both, but uh, as far as Martinez went, there's I don't have a lot of bad to say. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, obviously you would have loved to have uh, seen more points on the, on the board, but I don't think that was Adrian's fault. Uh, Boomer, uh, you know, that offensive line is is not giving Adrian a lot of time and it's not opening up a lot of holes for those running backs either. Um, do you see any way that there's a, a solution for that in the remaining eight games? That's going to be tough at this point. I, you know, maybe I shuffle a few players around, uh, you know, they're trying to do some different things, you know, now that you're getting, you know, the tie, all the tight ends back. So you have a, you know, better chance to, you know, maybe I have some and there's a yeah, blocking tight end. Brohaska, and there's a blocking tight end, you mm -hmm. know, that, that may open up a few options there. And uh, at some point you just kind of are what you are. And it's either going to take some kind of experience and hopefully, you know, in big 10 play, they'll, they'll be getting plenty of that. I imagine, you know, in, in the trenches, cause that's, that's what the conference is known for. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, this that's, you know, just with our line, what it is, that just shows, you know, what Martinez means to this team. Because if you didn't have him back there, if you just had some average quarterback, just imagine where, where we'd be as a, you know, as a team this year. Getting, and I would you know, say, imagine where some of our opponents that we might be playing these last eight games, imagine where they would be if they had Martinez as their, as their quarterback. That could be a scary thing in some ways. I mean, he's playing pretty, at a pretty high level, and we're seeing him can make some completions now that he has receivers that I think uh, are pretty quality ones like that route that bets caught along the left side yep. you know, that went for 50 sure. yards. I mean, he just beat the, the defender right off the, the line of scrimmage, one move and showed the speed. We didn't have guys doing that a year ago. And that includes a guy that's at Kentucky right now. And then Omar going across the middle. And then those tight ends are starting to show up. We have to find a way when we get down into the red zones to score more. That's clearly, you know, right now we've had 19 red zone possessions so far and only 15 of them have led to scores, and only 12 of those have been for touchdowns. You know, So that's got to be a, a yep. better percentage, right? Yeah, and I pointed this out today in our text thread with Sam McEwen in his um, rundown of the game where he looked at yards per point. We, it's a, a metric that I like to use. Phil still has it in his magazine, and um, I think the offensive number that we have is 19.6. We have to move the ball 19 and a half yards to get a point. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that means uh, I think he, I think Sam calculates 137 yards per touchdown or something like that. Yeah. And that's just not, not good. I mean, like I, I was looking at Phil still and looking at like, I mean, Alabama is at offenses where they've scored a point every 10.8 yards and stuff like that. Right. Typically a really good, good top 25 type offense is probably 12 or 13 yards, but I mean, mm-hmm. 19 and a half is just abysmal. And that was, you know, including games against Fordham and Buffalo. That's your concern is like, mm-hmm. uh, how low could you possibly go on that? Now, I think it might just balance out here a little bit um, by finishing drives to your point, Honky. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're moving the ball. Um, we just got to finish drives. Yeah, that would be your bigger concern, right? If it was that same yards per point, but we were only getting 300 yards in a game against those opponents, that would be one level of concern. Obviously, we talked about it enough last week. You know, Buffalo, you take 27 points off the, the field that yep. just scored, you know, so mistakes. And look, I mean, that's part of the bad column I have here, right? I mean, before Martinez even touches a snap, even gets the ball in his hands, he already has to go 20 yards to get a first down because of two false starts. But like we said last week, when Mac and I were being critical, we were like, we make it so damn hard on ourselves. And then we accomplished it. I mean, it's first and 20 and we get the first down. You got to give them credit for that, but you got to stop putting yourself in those positions. I mean, that's, that's being a broken record there, right? We've got to stop making those mistakes. Yeah. Um, we get into the red zone areas and they did some different things this week, specifically with the tight ends. Some of that is getting healthy and getting Vokalek back. Some of that, like you mentioned, Dave, was adding depth by bringing Prochaska in there at number 46, and all of a sudden he's your left tight end. And I love that. That's great. We talked about that in the preseason, getting under center and having unbalanced lines and and just getting in some big sets. You know, we want to run the damn ball. We have hats that, you know, guys like to wear. They say run the damn ball on it, and yet we don't hit 100 rushing yards this last week. We're at our best running the football when we get two backs out there somehow whether it's under center and it's two backs or if it's two backs in the shotgun with two actual running backs or it's Torre or somebody, you know, orbit motioning into the backfield. That's when we've been at our best with two backs, even to the extent of the touchdown run that Martinez had, it was only one back, but that back was the lead blocker for Martinez. So it's essentially two backs. That's when we're at our best running the ball consistently and I think if you mix some option and we really didn't, and I kind of understand why they didn't in this game. I think they wanted to, to mucky the game up and just really not make a mistake. We had no fumbles. We really had no turnovers. I'm not counting that interception, which was amazing by the OU defender. My gosh, that is an incredible catch that he had. But we didn't have anything like that. It kept the game close. We weren't going to give them anything. But just from a game plan standpoint, I was really happy with that. I mean, Dave, and, and Boomer, we were down there at that game in 2008, and we were down 35 nothing by the end of the first quarter. And essentially, yeah. what they want to do on offense this year isn't that much different from what they wanted to do on offense in 2008, the way the style that they want to play. And you think about that, they were up 35 nothing that year, and one of those touchdowns was a pick six, but they still had to score 28 of their points. That means they had four other offensive possessions in that one quarter. And as I'm watching them take eight minutes to score, then we get the ball and we're going down the field. And I'm telling the guys around me at the time, I'm like, 
wow, we've, we've got the ball for three minutes. Wow. We've had it for four minutes. Wow. It's getting down to, we finally kicked that field goal at seven to three. And I think we're kicking the ball back to them with maybe a minute left at something like that in the first quarter. I'm like, they're barely going to have the ball twice. That's a huge win. <laughs> yeah. No, they ultimately had nine drives in that game. They, they only executed on three of them. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, there just wasn't that many plays in the game. It went by mm-hmm. really fast. Um, and that was by, by design, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they definitely kept, kept everybody's yards down and, and definitely changed the complexity of the game. There's no doubt. That is a great point there. Cause I mean, what do you think in 08, do you think they probably had nine drives damn near by half? Yeah. And, it felt like in the first quarter, <laughs> yeah, you give a team like that, that many opportunities out there. Um, did we have a terrible defense with a bunch of bums in 2008? I don't know. And Dominican Sue, I think was okay. And I think there's some players that were okay on that defense too. I don't know which one's better 08 or this year's defense, but I know this year's defense didn't have to see Oklahoma's offense 15 or 16 or 17 times in the game. Yep. To your point, nine times. And that's it. Nine times. <laughs> <laughs> that was very intentional, right, Boomer? I mean, I think it's one of those things where if you take the ball out of Oklahoma's hands, you, you think you're going to have a better shot. And um, they really, I think they played some soft coverages there and and didn't allow anything over the top. Um, made Oklahoma um, hit underneath passing routes and run the ball, which uh, they did. I mean, I think on their scoring drives, they had 10 plays or more in each one of those but they just didn't have that many opportunities and Rattler really didn't, they didn't really push it down. They didn't risk it. And um, Hey, they win the game, but obviously much closer than expected. Yeah. And that did seem to be the game plan going into it, making them work for those points. And like you said, they did every one of those touchdown drives was a minimum of uh, 10 plays. One was 10, one was 12. That opening drive was what, geez, 14 plays or something like that. 15 plays. So yeah, I mean, that took, huge chunks of time off and if you're going to play a team like Oklahoma that known for that explosive offense that's what you want to do just you know make them have to work for those points they get and and keep it close and like you said they just made it tough on Rattler I don't, you know we're talking defensive specifics yet but they did seem to have a good game plan for that because he really didn't look all that outstanding of a quarterback I mean they had opportunities for some interceptions didn't quite get those but you know, yeah. he didn't look all that great as a quarterback in that game so uh hockey you know you, you've been mentioning some good and some bad but i mean the, you know the bad is the things that we got to clean up and we'll get to the special teams here eventually right but uh the penalties on offensive line um including a couple of uh, personals on cam jurgens uh i think we had eight total penalties uh six of them on on the line i mean like what do you do to, to coach that out of these guys? It's it's just been, it's been four years of just frustration, and, and it's hard to understand what's going on. They've been rotating guys in and out. I mean, Hickson was yeah, starting that Hickson game, starting. and they, guys have got to just step up. I don't know. I mean, it, I was listening to one show talking about, you know, you should do less zone blocking and, and simplify things for these. I mean, we could do a lot of things. You can't jump off sides. And they, Oklahoma would do these late shifts on defense, and it I think that kind of made us – you know, get a little jumpy, but geez, we do the same thing on defense to the other team. So, I mean, practice against it more. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this, that's, a, it was just a new way for us to, to make mistakes that I hadn't seen. Now the Jurgens ones very specifically. Yeah. I talked to Cam. Um, we just got to be a little bit smarter. Um, if we're going to get penalties, I'd rather have them be aggressive penalties. I'd rather tell a guy, whoa, than giddy up. Uh, so we'll calm him down a little bit, but that's the attitude that we're looking for. I'd be very careful with how to try to, to handle that with him. Cause I thought he played his ass off out there. I loved watching Jurgens. He is he's our best offensive lineman. You're right. He is just, and he is a really brute close. and he is snapping the ball and pulling on plays. And, and there's some real impressive things he's doing. Now, I think one of the two 15 yard penalties he had where he took a guy down to the ground and then he kind of dove on him. Yeah. Um, my coaching him up would be you've already knocked him on the ground. You can't do anything more to him. Go knock another dude down. You lose everything when you, when you jump on the guy, why? Right. That would be my only thing to him there. The other one was total garbage. And that thing happened pretty much kind of in front of us. And that was that screen backwards screen pass, whatever to, I think of Ramir. And then he goes up the sideline. And I mean, you look at Jurgens and he engages with the defender at the 50 yard line. And by the time he's taking him to the ground, he's at the 20. 
So the, you have an offensive lineman taking a guy 45 yards down the field with our guy running with the ball for the majority of the play. I mean, he doesn't know when the play is over with 90,000 people. You may not hear a, you know, a whistle right away. And the fact that he took the guy down, I mean, it was a continuation of the play. And that is an absolute moment when the ref has to just keep that flag in. That was garbage. I, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to coach that out of the guy because that is pure effort. I can't believe, I would show that to every one of my linemen and go, where are you guys 20 and 30 yards down the field on these kind of plays? I mean, this is, that's amazing yeah. effort. Yeah, good point. Well, um, yeah, going by position groups, uh, you know, Adrian has a lot of targets to throw to now and uh, wide receiver, even without Oliver Martin being back and Oklahoma being successful and taking Samari Ture generally out of the, the, the game plan. He only had three catches. Um, Adrian found uh, Betts and, and Manning multiple times. So I was pretty excited to see. Yeah, Manning, he comes up with big catches. And really, Betts did there, too. I mean, they're just – that's some of this getting the ball down the field and making 30-plus yard plays. Our guys are winning one-on-one battles. They're beating bump-and-run coverage right up at the line of scrimmage and, and uh, you know, getting, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field and, and getting open. I mean, that's what you'd want to see, right? I mean, these – Martinez has some legitimate weapons here. And then the the pass to Vokalik was really nice. Uh, again, because a lot of that was out. Of, we're starting to bunch up now and, and really have run sets, even though they're out of shotgun. They almost look like double tight end, you know, like old school sets because we yeah. had so many guys. No, almost no one's outside of the uh, the hash marks that were, were that condensed into the middle of the field. And then he went across the field and kind of released out and looked like he was going to block somebody. And then, you know, he just ran into open space and Martinez hit him on a great throw there. And that was one of those probably 30 yard plays, I'm guessing. Things are starting to open up. Things are starting to look good. It's about finishing. It's finishing everything, both sides of the ball. You know, in our two losses, we've had the ball in the final minute with a chance to score, to tie or win. And in both cases, we've had zero first down. So it's finishing. It's just finishing drives, finishing games. Gosh, you know, that it sucks because that Illinois game, is, it's like it keeps hanging over our head. If we win that game, if we're 3-1 and one right now with a loss against Oklahoma the way we had, I think most people are feeling ecstatic right now. Sure. Yeah. And it's still going to be on their, the resume and Illinois is not making it look any better. New, but uh, I mean, to, to your point there on that hockey, I mean, I think the, the touchdown to Omar is a good example where I think that was a 21 yard touchdown. It maybe it, it might be easier to be taking those shots of the end zone when you're, you know, between uh, the opponents 40 to 20 or so. Right. Mm-hmm. The red zone and waiting till, you know, you're trying to do that inside the, the red zone. So do you see maybe them being a little bit more aggressive on their play calling and trying to get a 20 or 30 yard uh, pass play, you know, before you have to kind of get bogged down into that red zone, which seems to be a problem for this offense. I could certainly see them doing that from outside of it. That, that would make sense. Trying to hit the big play from that 30, 35 yard area. Yeah. I'm going to revise something I've said in the past because I know it's just never going to happen. They're not going to, we're not going to become an option team. We get inside the red zone though. I think that is a time to get option included. It, mm-hmm. I think that's where you can start to with the triple option, with the option to be able to hand the ball up the gut, but then to have Martinez still have the ball in his hands and running outside and then be able to make a pitch. I think that's a play that could do something when you are starting to get the defense constricted a little more tight inside. Right. I think there's some things that we could do with that. I mean, look at how we scored the touchdown. It was Martinez running it. It wasn't an option, but it's him running it with a lead blocker. Having his legs involved as we get into the red zone specifically, we can move the ball pretty damn well between the 20s. Yeah. But just about anybody running the ball or, you know, throwing the ball around. But, yeah, you get into inside that 20. I think Martinez has to really be a focal point. And it doesn't mean he always has to be the runner. But that's what I right. love about the option so much. It's just him being a part of it. That's what I really like to see. What is there ever see? really a, a time where you don't want to see an option, though, Hunky? No, I want to see it all the time. <laughs> Every play. Fair. We could run it. We could run it. You know, our option run pass ratio could be 100 to 0 0, and I'd be fine. <laughs> so, uh, on a similar note that Boomer, I was going to ask Hockey about run plays out of the pistol, which mm-hmm. uh, seemed to be kind of effective. I could imagine you could run option out of the out of the pistol, but it does seem like kind of a little bit of that that uh, zone read type thing mm-hmm. out of the pistol, um, where you know Adrian is only you know four or five yards back, and you have a tailback behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be a set that we're going to see more of going forward. 
Yeah, and this last week, they did a lot of motion across the field, um, kind of the jet sweep motion. And I think, you know, in lieu of running a bunch of options in that game, I think that was one of their ways that they were trying to extend the defense sideways, try to, you know, open up a little bit of a running lane. And, you know, look, I'm still – I'm impressed at times with how Frost is trying to call an offense. Like, I, I asked a question on Twitter here, and I guess I want your guys' thoughts on this. From a play calling standpoint, how would you classify in use offense? Run first, pass first, or balanced? And run first is 30%, pass first is 23%, and then the majority, 47%, say it's balanced. And we had a number of people, even though it's only 23%, a number of people saying, oh, we pass it. We're, we're a passing team. And I'm like, I look at the stats. We're 38 rushes to 25 passes in that game. You know, we, we ran for third and 11 and got the first down out of our own end zone. I mean, yeah, we are a running team. We just weren't great at doing it. But I, to me, it feels like we're a run first team. I don't know, Dave, you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think from a play calling perspective, that's, that's pretty clear that we're a run first team our offensive production isn't always coming out of that, mm-hmm. especially out of the tailback position. So, but I mean, like it, it, you can't div- divorce the the play calling and, and then ultimately, you know, how we're moving the ball. I mean, the pass plays are more effective because we are committed to running, even if we're only getting two or three yards a pop, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of things come out of that, I think. So, I mean, I would rather be running for 200 a game. If we were doing that, we would be probably, maybe four and oh right now. Um, but uh, it, it's hard to deny that the passing is more effective when you have some commitment to calling run plays. Hmm. And although you think it's arguable that some of our running numbers are slightly inflated because there are pass plays that just kind of break down and Martinez has to scramble for his life. And, you know, in some of the earlier games, especially, do you think that skews the, the numbers a little well, bit? He's definitely or? our leading rusher, right? He yeah. Has almost yeah. three years of, of running. So, well, and about, a, about that. And about 150 of them, to Boomer's point, on two specific run plays that were long breakdowns from the past. I 100% agree with that. It's time to throw the bones. Uh, we got to keep stacking games like we have. You know, we left uh, three interceptions potential interceptions i think we left like four or five sacks on the table against oklahoma which sucks um you know that's you know could have beat them with that uh everybody's crucifying cult for missing kicks but i mean if we're counting kicks they missed one too and we still would have lost by a point if they made if we made ours and they they made theirs so um he gets he, he's getting a lot of flack for that uh defensively wise we lost we missed a lot of opportunities with that so um i feel bad for the kid because we we you know we need to put that on ourselves so he just doesn't get under a microscope uh we missed a lot of opportunities that we uh didn't capitalize on so like i said becoming that elite defense that we want to we can't miss those anymore all right guys uh, let's transition over to the defense and uh, talk about the black shirts and you know, um, I only gave up 21 points to a very explosive or at least expected to be explosive Oklahoma offense. Um, so their their continued run of good play. You know, they weren't perfect, though. There was missed tackles out there and um, some third down convu- uh, conversions. That was maddening. Uh, Spencer Ryler didn't have a great game, but he did convert some of those key third downs. Honky, what were your thoughts about the defensive performance? At the end of the day, you know, holding OU to their lowest point total in 68 games it speaks enough to what that defense did. They played a very solid game across the board. They were very consistent. They never gave up the big play. I have a good and a bad column just like it did on the offensive side. And I think everything that the good side is, you know, making tackles and and not giving up big plays. And on the, the bad side, it would just probably be that we – we didn't quite make a big play once or twice. That's all we need in a game that that's that is that tight. You know, one interception, one fumble, right? One third down getting off the field. You know, that last drive yep. when they got the ball I with about six early. minutes left. Yeah, I think they had a third and 10. I think they had a third and seven they converted. And every time you convert a first down, you're basically taking another two and a half minutes off the clock. And, you know, who knows, just getting off the field one time. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting nitpicky there because, I mean, look, we held them to 21 offensive points. That's what I said last week. If we can hold them to 21 points, we have a chance to win that kind of game. And um, we had that chance because of it, but you know, where you get, where we're going to get even better is if we can 
add one more turnover, something like that to a game like that, that, that could be the difference. I, I, I brought up the Florida-Alabama game, and that's a two-point game. And Dan Mullen the next morning was talking about how I think Alabama had one turnover against them, and he brought that up as that, that's the difference in a close game. We didn't get the turnover they did. And I would say the same thing here. We just if, if it's one sack or just you know one third down stop, that kind of thing could have made a huge difference uh, in that outcome. Yeah, well, I mean, the the defensive line um, did their job in most parts, but did not get the pressure on the quarterback, as you're talking about there, Honk. I actually felt like, you know, some of the, the best pressures was when we did bring someone like Luke Reimer in mm-hmm. or, or uh, another linebacker, but they never got home, right? Yep. They got really close, but then the Rattler would get the ball off and convert. That was really maddening. Mm-hmm. Reimer's amazing, though. That dude, yeah, he, he did get home on the one, and Rattler just threw an incompletion. But, you know, we've had other guys, Dante Williams, I think, was one of them that came came clean and just Rattler would just sidestep him, and he was able yeah. to be elusive enough there. We played, I thought, overall really solid D, but we were giving up 5.4 yards a rush. That's more than we want to give up. Our inside linebackers, we had some missed tackles in space a, a couple of times. And I brought that up last week where I'm like, this is going to be about as elite of talent, short of maybe Ohio State, from skilled players that we're going to see. And there might be a couple of times where we're in the right spot to make a play and, and their guy just makes a play on us. Yeah. And I, and I was telling myself in going into the game, like, just remember that on a couple of plays. And there were a couple of times I was, I was like, ah, oh, we missed the tackle. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, calm down because we had the guy in the right spot. You know, they have athletes too, and they're making some, some really good plays. But again, for the most part, I'm getting real nitpicky there. I mean, Dave, you've talked about the, the yards per point thing and defensively we're doing quite well with that. Right. Oh. It's, it's extraordinary. It says almost as, as, as extraordinary of a number as our offense is bad. It's uh, uh, 21.98, so almost 22 yards um, uh, an offense has to gain against our defense before it gets a point. So um, that is a very high number. Um, a really good defense typically maybe in the 17 to 18 yards per point. Um, you know, some of a really good defense. Um, you know, I, I think I was looking at again, Alabama Clemson's, you know, they, they'll have a 20, um, a yards per point stat occasionally, but it's not common. Most of the, most of the time it's 17 or 18. So for them to be at 22 right now, um, it'll be really interesting to see where that goes as the year goes on, because you, even though you have some very tough physical big 10 offenses, they're not necessarily explosive either. So it mm-hmm. could be in a lot of low scoring games, um, with um, some, some big numbers there. But um, at the end of the day, it, it, that doesn't result in, in, in wins, but it does keep keep things close. And it does seem like this defense is going to keep Nebraska in um, pretty much all the Big Ten games, I would hope. It's just a matter of can the offense start to figure out it enough to start um, converting their own scores and, and get some Ws on the board. Yeah. Well, I mean, we ranked 26 nationally in scoring defense, which that's not terrible. No, nope. that's not bad at all. But Boomer, the, what's the problem is how does that rank in the Big Ten? Yeah, that's the crazy thing is, yeah, we're great nationally, but that puts a seventh in conference. I mean, it's <laughs> this is a tough defensive conference. I, I guess, you know, some people argue with, the, you know, look at the teams everybody's played. But still, I mean, everyone's played weird teams, but it's going to be dogfights from here on out now that we're in the conference slate. So could be a could be a fun fall, I think. See yeah, how everyone I, matches up. It's still so early in the season that I can't wrap my hands around who's good or who's bad. Every week we're going to learn a little more. I don't know how great Michigan State is yet, and yet they're going to be they're three and zero and they're ranked, and I'm glad they are. I mean, I'd rather play them at three and zero than one and two. Let's play teams that certainly look good on paper, and and let's beat them. Okay, but five of our last eight games, as of right now, are against teams that are currently ranked. Uh, I think I saw some FPI. Pro- projections that right now have the big 10 east finishing one two three is michigan ohio state and michigan state somehow they have penn state fourth but point is and by the way seventh guess who's seventh in their projection of the east dave uh, well I'll, I'll guess the hoosiers because they've probably <laughs> been sticking it up the most yeah the hoosiers the the preseason you know top 15 team yeah so you know things can change in a hurry right we're not even out of september and they've already fallen from seventh and actually i think michigan state on some of those was a preseason sixth or seventh in the East. And now look at them being top three. And by the way, the top three, when I say Michigan, Ohio state and Michigan state, who do we play from the East? (laughs) I think it would be all three of them. Would it all three of them, right? So, Hey, 
it's a schedule and let's, let's go and let's get some victories. You know I mean? This is a winnable game this weekend. And I think this was a moral victory, but moral victories now are going to increase expectations. It's so funny. It's a 22 point spread last week and, Oh, we can't keep, you know, I'll be happy if we just keep within seven. I know there's people saying that and then you keep it within seven and then it's those same people will come out and find all the reasons that we should have won it. And I get it. This team has shown that they can play 60 minutes of fairly clean football, not turn the ball over, not make a bunch of huge mental errors. I know we had a couple of the offensive line things. I get it, but it wasn't a Jekyll and Hyde team. We didn't have 15 minutes where we dominated and then 15 minutes where we just went into weird funks. I mean, they stayed consistent with how they called the game. Dave, we've talked about situational football a hundred times. Ohio state at the end of the first half last year, Wisconsin a couple of years ago when we were running for 11 yards of carry. And we, we have these old five minute gaps, you know, Minnesota at the end of the third quarter last year, where we just kind of went nutty and throw the ball three straight incompletions. We didn't have any of that in this game. There was no five minute moment that could have turned this really close game into a, you know, a big sooner lead. So Frost has shown he can do it now. Now the expectation for me is you're going to East Lansing. You're going to, you're going to be able to play that kind of clean game again. And now maybe against a team that doesn't have some of that sooner speed, some of that sooner talent. Sure. We're going to be better and it's time to win it. it. There's no moral victory this weekend. Now it's time. Let's go win a top 25 game on the road. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that clean of a game, right? Boomer, but it was clean enough that you had enough opportunities offensively and defensively to continue to make plays. Right. Um, And they didn't, it wasn't fatalistic in the sense that they like, had one one moment where everything fell apart right they actually were able to keep things together mm-hmm. and so the question is like can you take what you did versus Oklahoma a big 12 team a very good big 12 team um, and then translate that to what you're going to need to do to, to beat Michigan State in East Lansing yeah that's going to be the the interesting thing because they're two completely different teams kind of the way Honky was going at you know you've got that kind of flashy pass-heavy Big 12 style of game that Oklahoma plays. And, you know, I was trying to watch as much Michigan State as I could and, you know, during commercial breaks in our game, and they're the completely different team. They're kind of – they want to run the ball. They want to run it well. They want to play stout defense, and they want to just make it a slugfest going into the fourth quarter where they expect to pull away from teams, which is what they mm-hmm. did against Miami. Um, you know, Miami should have more talent than Michigan State does just by raw numbers, and I'm sure they do if we looked up, you know, recruiting and everything. But uh, – mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of game Michigan State's going to want to play, and that's what's going to be kind of fun with this uh, these two games back-to-back is just how different the teams we play are and see how we respond to it. And, and like Honky said, a moral victory is fine for one game, but unless you convert that to actual momentum going forward, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, we've had moral victories in past seasons and, you know, didn't amount to a whole heck of a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be a fun week, I think. So And, and, and critical for the, the season. Yep. Yeah. Right. And we've had Michigan State's number in the past. You know, other coaching staffs have had uh, good chances to knock them off, even when they've been highly ranked. So, you know, yeah, you've had a history. I recall of one um, a, a few years ago in Lincoln on a on a Saturday night that it was a pretty exciting finish. That's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the last time we played them, uh, Frost was coaching and we won that. But we won it nine to six because we had some field yep. goal kicking that that got us through. And, oh dear, you know, yeah. that's something that obviously – if the same kind of thing can, uh, happens in this game, you know, that's been a concern this season. And I don't know if we want to kind of transition a little bit let's, to special teams, but let's Boomer, do it. I'll ask the question to Boomer here. If I say special teams have been disappointing this season, is that an understatement? Is that not accurate for all of special teams? I mean, if I just made that, I make it a very blanket statement. How would you respond to that? Uh, you know, with the different parts of special teams, but taking, you know, taking it as a whole, that is a very fair statement. It has been a disappointment. Um, you can find a few bright spots, you know, the touchbacks out mm-hmm. of the end zone have been great. Um, you know, for the majority of the kicks outside of the one that was going to, you know, roll out of bounds that Oklahoma happily saved for us, you know, on their eight yard line um, during this game. But other than that, you know, the kickoffs have been consistent. We haven't had issues with that. You know, we haven't had anyone return punts or, mm-hmm. you know, kickoffs for long returns. So that's been good. But the other end of it, yeah, punting's been fairly inconsistent, which, you know, was interesting to see uh, Pritstab get the, get the nod this week. And, but he performed well. I think he yeah. averaged 50 yards a punt. So that was a plus, you know, coming off a, mm. you know, attorneys had a few questionable kicks here and there. But, uh, but then when it comes to the, just the point scoring aspect of the special teams, which is critical, um, we talked about, you know, needing to finish drives and equate those into points. You know, every time you may not be able to get in the end zone, but if you can't count on at least getting three points out of it, 
Yep. You know, that's what boosts those, uh, you know, yards per point numbers way up. If you're just having meaningless drives and then no points, that's going to skyrocket. And for whatever reason, we've just seemed to lost our ability to kick field goals this year, right? We're what three for eight on field goals. Um, you know, and don't want to be too harsh on any one particular player. You know, I don't begrudge anyone for missing a 50 yarder. That's not an easy kick. Uh, that's right. Yeah. But once you get into, goals was... Yeah. Once you get into the 35 range, you need to be making those. And right now I think we're like one for four in that 30 to 39 yard range. And that's, that's going to cause a lot of trouble. And then that extra point, you know, normally one point isn't such a big deal, but you know, when you, you get some momentum and then you just let, Oklahoma steal it right back by getting, you know, two points because you're in a line got just completely blown up. Yeah, that yeah. was on the line there. Dude. Yeah, that wasn't the kicker's fault there either. That was just, I mean, and, and that was a special teams, though. I yeah, mean, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's a, a special it's teams a special thing. Team but, yeah. And I didn't still, even realize being in the stadium, I didn't realize that wasn't Culp that was kicking that one. I didn't realize that was Meyer. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't it until was, I rewatched yeah, it on, yeah. on TV. And to your point there, Dave, like the momentum in the stadium, like it was cool to be in there when we when we scored that touchdown. And I mean, there were go big red chants, and there was a lot of Husker fans in there. They were loud. And then when that thing got blocked and they returned it, and all of a sudden, you know, it goes from what's supposed to be a 14 10 game and it's 16 to nine, which is a weird score. And we've had that now in multiple games, Illinois. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, bad things are usually happening if the score is 16 9 for some reason. <laughs> Something goofy is happening. But they, they run that thing back. And so now your touchdown's only worth four points. Yeah, and the crowd, their crowd was going nuts. I mean, they and just been scored on, and you're <laughs> kicking the ball back off to them. So it's yeah. basically like a safety. I mean, yeah. is what so it you're, is. I mean, you're yeah. kicking the ball off to them, and you think about that. They've missed five field goals. They've missed three extra points, and they had the one return for two points against us. That kind of equates to twenty points negative for us. And over the course of four games, pretty easy math. That's five points a game, just in that kicking game. And when we talk about us being the team that has the second most one score losses in the country over the last three or four years, five points a game is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. And that that's what we're doing right now, just through four, four games. But the reason I asked you boomer the way I did was, and you broke it down nicely. I've heard people say our special teams suck. And it's like, that's just too, that's too general. There are some areas that have really sucked. There are some areas that have gotten really good kickoff. And I think punt the last couple of games too, certainly had a really nice kick. Um, against Buffalo that landed at the three and stopped right there. And then this last game, Priscop, I thought did, did outstanding. Also, those first three games, total disaster and punt return. Had, you know, one fumble in every single one of them, one lost turnover, but not this one. In fact, we had Torrey catch the ball at midfield and run it back 10 yards. A we 10 actually, yard punt return. Oh it my was, God. It was unbelievable. And he didn't it's drop like it. like a record anything. for years. Yeah. It didn't bounce off his helmet. He didn't drop it or anything. We caught it and ran it back, you know. And we were flipping the field. We were, we had good field position in that Oklahoma game for the most part. It felt like a normal game being played. Nothing crazy. We've had two straight games, by the way, where we've had them kick the ball to us first in the second half. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is just normal football, fellas. But like, it feels like it's been so long since we've, been in those situations even and so i don't know i they've got to get the the kicking fixed don't get me wrong i and but i do see progress being made in in areas that even in that punt return that was a big area of progress against oklahoma because it wasn't a disaster it wasn't a game changer right so yeah in a negative way positive Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i don't know what to do with the the place kicking it's really difficult obviously they can try others but i mean right now every kick counts and if culp still looks like the best kicker monday through friday it's going to be hard to to um you know take him out and you hope that he finally just kicks his way out of it right at some point mm-hmm. and he hit a 50 50 yarder which is his career long at least at nebraska so he's shown that he's got added you know distance to his leg this year which is great mm-hmm. It's just um, the the thirty some yarder he missed. It was just such a horrendous kick. Um, it just it's hard to excuse that. So we're, you just we're can't see where it goes. Yeah, you just can't miss that. But to your guys's point, he makes a fifty one yarder and he banks a fifty yarder off the upright. I mean, that's not yeah. the worst thing in the world. He has the support of the coaches. He has the support of the team. They're saying that today in the press conference about you know how he's does he does great in practice during the week. I mean, it's a the surprise to kind of see him struggle like this. Austin Allen even referenced how, you know, when he was a high school senior in basketball, he had never airballed a free throw in his entire life. 
And then all of a sudden he, he airballs one free throw and he ended up airballing six of them his senior year. Just said that it got into his head, right? And sometimes this happens that, you know, athletes at the higher levels, it, it just can get into your head. And right now, to your point, Dave, I mean, we're probably going to have to ride this out and just hope that he kicks his way out of this. If not, I mean, we have depth, but it doesn't seem like, you know, they're real high on throwing Frank out there or Meyer, the right. freshman from Ord, was the one that kicked the extra point that got blocked. And again, I'm not putting that on any kicker. I'm, the line just got destroyed there, so that can't happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, um, let's talk a little bit more about Michigan State, I guess, and what we maybe expect with this this matchup, which is a, a now a, a top 20 foe. It's hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. It's early in the year, and there's a lot of games left for Michigan State to to continue to prove it. But I think Mel Tucker does seem like he's doing a pretty good job up there. Some of the transfers um, that he got seem to be hitting. Um, you know, it, a lot of the preseason magazines, it was hard to peg Michigan State. You didn't know who their quarterback was going to be, who the running back was going to be. Um, but it seems like um, they've, they've gone with uh, Peyton Thorne as their, their QB. And then um, Boomer, is, is it Kenneth Walker? Is that right, the running back? Yes, Kenneth Walker the third, the Wake Forest transfer. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who uh, looks like a, a, a ton to bring down, and um, they've been giving the ball a lot. And there, there's a bell cow for you, Hunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're they're going to want to run the ball against us, and and you think the key matchup probably would be uh, the D line and, and linebackers, and how well they they stop that Spartan rushing attack? Yeah, I imagine just like any Big Ten game, you know what happens on the the line of scrimmage, your front seven versus their their line is going to be big. Uh, Thorne has proven to be a little bit more mobile at times, too. I yep. mean, he, he has some capability, and and Walker's been solid for him. I mean, they came out in their first two games, Northwestern and I can't remember who the Youngstown, Youngstown. State. Yep. And I think the first play of the game for each one of them was like 75-yard touchdowns. It was the exact same yardage. So I think it was oh, 75 yeah. yards. 75-yard mm-hmm. touchdowns on the first play, right? And so they have some big play ability there, too. I don't know how great they are three games in because I'm the competition. There could be some questions there, but look at the end of the day, you're making the plays or you're not, and they're making plays. And, and uh, I think they wore down Miami from what it all sounds like. I mean, it was 24 to 17 going into the fourth quarter, but then they, they pulled away and that's probably how they want it. Right. So, you know, we've talked quite a bit about how Nebraska in a losing effort against Oklahoma got to play the, the game, the style that they wanted to play. I'm sure Michigan State did the same thing to Miami and got a 21 point victory out of it. So they're probably pretty happy. Yeah, that was it was an interesting game to watch. Like I said, what I could see, and you know, they kind of just like I said, they played the game they wanted to. They didn't panic when Miami would you know respond and keep games close, especially on the road. Although the you know the raucous hurricane crowd of several that was in attendance <laughs> there, I don't think was making it too challenging. But uh, yeah, I mean Kenneth Walker, he's he's averaging over eight yards of play you know, or carry. I mean, that's, that's pretty solid. And I think Peyton Thorne is actually the highest rated quarterback in the conference for efficiency. So I, I was kind of surprised to see how effective he can be. He's more elusive like Honkies than I thought. And they're very judicious with his passes. He's throwing no interceptions. And yeah. So well, he's offensively, due. it'll be an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting challenge for our defense. So yeah, probably a little I mean, more balanced than most of the other teams we've seen so far. On the opposite side of the ball, Hunky, um, now it sounds like Gabe Irvin is, is probably out um, for an extended mm-hmm. period of time. That was unfortunate that he has a, a, a knee injury of sorts. Um, but, you know, Ramir Johnson showed himself well overall. Um, and uh, maybe we'll see Marquis step again. I don't know what happened there. But, I mean, it, I'd imagine that you'll still think that it's going to be important for Nebraska to establish that run game. Um, and in particular with the running backs to be successful against Michigan State. It was really sad to see that Irvin went down there. I thought he was starting to play so well there, too. That He had a couple of nice runs. He was making cuts in the right direction and, and getting some extra yards where a couple of games ago it seemed like he you know was maybe kind of just lowering his head and just running into the tackle. And so it, it sounds like it's a patellar tendon, and uh, odds are that's at least going to keep him out for a good chunk of the season, if not the rest. He did only play four games if the season's over for him. So from a redshirt rule, he could be coming back there. But uh, that was sad to see there. As far as, you know, the Michigan State game and, and offensively, I guess maybe you guys do the bet cast and you guys get into all the, the the points and the predictions. But we since we did do this last week with Oklahoma, maybe I'll ask you here, 
you know, I kind of said if we could keep it in the 24-21 range last week, I thought that we'd have a chance to win it, you know, against Michigan State. Where do you think is the range that's most likely that that's going to lead for us to have some success? Is it is it scoring more points or is it trying to keep this a lower game with them? I mean, what are you thinking? Last time I checked, it's important to score more points, sure. more points than your opponent. So, well, definitely score would... more points. But like, are we trying to? Is this a, <laughs> is this a shootout? Is this a low scoring? Well, game? I don't think I don't necessarily think it needs to be a shootout. But I mean, the bottom line is is that I mean we have to score more points, no matter how however you do it. Sure. I mean, you score 16 points versus Oklahoma is just not going to get it done that often. You know, True. 28 versus Buffalo, 22 versus Illinois. Um, that's just not enough points. Um, so what? That's that's the question. What's the point total? What point do we have to hit to beat Michigan State? In your your opinion? Well, I mean, the over under is at fifty one and a half. I think Nebraska is probably going to be better off if if we go over, but uh, have a. I'm, I'm going to say twenty eight to thirty points would be a number I'd like to see. I'd feel really good if we got thirty. I don't think Michigan State would would be able to score but i mean you look at um you know our defense and the, you know on average here they they can you know hold down a power five team to below 21 points it seems like so you know you just got to give yourself some some cushion there so i i would much rather be in the 28 to 30 point range i feel like we're going to win a lot of games if we start scoring 30 points a game yeah, and I'd be I feel a lot more comfortable with that 30 points, especially if we can get out to kind of a, a decent size, you know, maybe a lead on them and make them actually have to try to throw a little bit. You know, they're they're gonna mm-hmm. want to run the ball. So anything you can do to make them have to try to, to pass more than they would probably be comfortable with, I think is good. And you'll be able to do that by scoring more points. So I I, I would agree with Dave if you want to hit something in the low 30s and I feel a lot more comfortable with that because if, if this turned into, you know, one of those 21 to 17, you know, slug fests or even less, then, then it's a lot more questionable because you're playing mm-hmm. to whatever game they, they would want to play, I think, more likely at that point. So Yeah, trying to actually get to a fast start, you know, which is different than last week's game. I mean, we were happy at 7 to 3 at halftime. But in this week's game, getting out to a fast start, us having some of those early big plays, Michigan State talking about how they got off to fast starts in a couple of their first games. Yep. You know, not allowing that to happen, us getting a seven-point lead, us getting a 10-point lead, being up two scores, how that can start to change how the opponent starts to play the game, you know, that's that really is the difference. And, um, you know, hopefully that's something that we can do here in, in, in the first half. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about the yards per point uh, statistic, the fact that we don't finish drives. I mean, look, if we just simply finish some drives in this game, we should be able to get to 30 points. I mean, we're mm-hmm. moving the ball well enough to produce more points than we are. So if we could just figure out how to actually get the ball in the end zone. <laughs> um, we're, we're having enough successful drives to do it. And so it's just, just a matter of getting over the goal line, literally. Um, and I, I, that that's going to be the difference in the game is if, if our offense can, can produce. I feel like our defense is going to keep us in this game. I don't think Michigan State's going to run all over us or anything like that. They're going to try, but I think we'll be able to manage that. But if our mm-hmm. offense uh, can respond and finally put enough points on the board, we, we can get a victory. Mm-hmm. And really, we should want some revenge against Mel Tucker anyway, so a little more <laughs> yes, juice, to the, juice to the game too. Yep. 17 See, points is not enough of a opening first half lead against Mel Tucker. So. Yeah. If we're up 17, nothing at half, I don't know if I'm feeling good or not. At, you know, <laughs> Hashtag see you read out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, all right, honk. Um, anything else you're looking forward to in particular? We had to, it's a night game finally. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different of an experience here. You'll be able to watch some college football beforehand. And then hopefully, you know, I mean, the, the, um, raucous crowd there in East Lansing will just be so difficult to play in, right? I don't know how to deal with a night game at this point. And now we're going to have at least two in a row. The Oklahoma game builds some momentum, even in a loss, it's built some momentum. I mean, some of the real frost naysayers at least have been kind of quieted a little bit this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to get real hard on the team when they overperform most people's expectations, but by doing so, you raise the expectations. I, I have higher expectations now for this team after that loss than I did before it. I expect to see certain things that I, I, I was able to see last weekend. I want to see it again this week. To win a game like this, to go three and two, to stay above 500, and to come home, to come back to Lincoln with five of seven games remaining on your schedule at home, to play Northwestern, yeah. 
you know, you can start to envision how some you know, we can get some of that momentum. I do feel like this team is starting to turn a corner. They have to finish. They've got to clean up a couple of the things that we just talked about, the penalties on the O-line and the some of the special teams kicking there. But my goodness, there's there are opportunities left here with this season to yeah. – undo i think the illinois funk that yeah yeah that it, it was a terrible start to the year but you got to win a game like you start to win a game like this i can see excitement i could see excitement in northwestern home game with us coming home after a victory like this sure you, you think well, about I, that you, you start the year off with the uh, the sellout streak and how you know the red carpet treatment and all that stuff to try to get the sellout streak think of how exciting it could be to be in memorial stadium for northwestern for homecoming when you have momentum leading up to the game that is something we haven't had for a while. And so this week's huge. It really is. I mean, it, I think we talked about how important this game was preseason, even um, just in the sense of like, you know, you, you can't have a letdown after Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're going to get to bowl, bowl eligibility, you have to win this game really in many ways. Mm-hmm. You have to beat Michigan State and then beat Northwestern be four and two with six to go. Because then you really do have the meat of your schedule where you are playing Michigan, who now looks better than expected. Uh, you get a Purdue game where you, you better beat those guys to mm-hmm. get your fifth win. And then you're going to have to, you know, whether it's Michigan or it's, it's uh, Minnesota who thumped Colorado this week or it's Wisconsin or Iowa or Ohio State, you are got to get another ranked win probably sure. what it comes down to, right? You need essentially probably two wins against mm-hmm. ranked teams here in the back half of the schedule. Yep. And um, that would be momentum building, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? Yep. And that's, why this, and that's why this last week is so important because, you know, you've gone into the number three team's home stadium and taking them down the wire like that. That has to be an encouraging moment for the guys. They have to be watching the, the film. They have to believe they can get something done, right? It has I mean, to be. They, they have, I'm so glad this is not like a bye week this weekend. I'm so glad we get to turn around and play a team. I'm so glad that Michigan State is ranked versus being one and two. I'm just, this is a big game. And I expect Nebraska to come out from play one and play good ball right away, not, not shoot themselves in the foot and not be out of it, you know, within three drives. That was Max's big complaint last week. He's like, you know, don't come out here and, and, and yeah. ruin it after three drives, right? I don't see that happening this week. This is going to be a, a four-quarter game more than likely, but uh, I think we're, we're built and we're ready to do it. All right, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it, that's for certain. Uh, let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots. Honky, take it away. To whoever vandalized the national championship statue outside the East Interest to Memorial Stadium, you suck. The next, uh, <laughs> next up, uh, the sellout streak. I got to tell you, folks, the more places I go, Illinois, now Oklahoma, that streak is so impressive to me, what Nebraska does, because we get crapped on because, oh, you know, see, there's how many scan tickets here there. Every stadium I go to, there are empty seats around. This is nothing new. And and in fact, I've been really impressed, even in our two games, Fordham and, and Buffalo, how full those stadiums have actually been and how full they've looked. I mean, we sat up in the Fordham game in student section. They started getting in there a little bit later and later, but they pretty much filled up to the top. Um, Memorial Stadium, Nebraska fans, you guys are amazing. Keep the streak going here. But Nebraska, this weekend against Michigan State, huge game. Get the win. Build that momentum. And and I can't wait to see these guys come back home. Uh, Last but not least here, uh, congrats to producer Skip and Ashley on their first son, Finley, uh, who was born tonight. Uh, So uh, congratulations, though, guys. I don't know. Is producer Skip planning to do a betcast this week, Dave? <laughs> I don't think so. I think he's going to be busy. Uh, he Probably. might help produce it, but I think uh, Boomer and Rob and myself will will handle the show duties and let us uh, skip um, fast and bask in the glory of um, his uh, wife's hard work and and enjoy a little Finley there. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Uh, Boomer. Okay, well, first off, it's nice to see Skip can use that to wheeze a lot of his uh, his job <laughs> duties here, but whatever, that's fine. We'll pick up the slack. Uh, first thing... No paternity uh, leave at all on the go big Yeah, button. I no. suppose. Darn, <laughs> darn uh, Family Medical Leave Act stuff. All right, whatever. But uh, just wanted to, first off, mention to you guys that, unfortunately, it does appear that the uh, Days Inn in Lansing has been closed uh, permanently, <laughs> so... 
I did a little looking into that. And Has it just, been demolished is the question. I think it, it would be best just, just kind of checking out the Yelp reviews. It had 11 reviews and each one was one star. So yeah, it, <laughs> it was a quality establishment. Um, just, just reading one is, is easily the worst experience I've ever had in any hotel ever. It can't get worse than this. Staff was slow in that place. Dirty <laughs> sheets didn't fit the bed. Is that Hello's. M honky? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, some, some people said how many roaches they had to kill on the way, you know, and then. Can I just say yeah, again, three bucks a night. <laughs> yeah. Stop. If you're considering to visiting this hotel, just keep driving. You know, another mentioned that this is so embarrassing, but I had to share this just for the fu- safety of future guests. So good choice there, honky. So at least you saved a few bucks. So that, yeah. that's good. I mean, you might have tetanus from staying there and a few other diseases, but that, that's okay. I've never felt uh, healthy ever since. So. No, I, I don't know how you could. Yeah. So, but sadly that looks like it's, it's no longer there. So. Oh, okay. And then uh, the other, the other thing I wanted to, to kind of give a, a shout out to is college football in general. Um, just when you looked at this weekend, when you watched a game like Penn state and Auburn, you know, being played in happy Valley and having just the, the whiteout crowd there and the excitement of fans and students. Why would you ever want to play a neutral site game again? Mm-hmm. You, know, when you see something like that, just the energy that that provides, you can't replicate that in some sterile, you know, corporate NFL stadium. that's full of just, you know, expensive donors and things like that far removed from the students and bands and everything else that makes college football fun. So you need to see more of that. You know, I, I saw a few comments about how, you know, oh, the big 10 and stuff and yeah, everyone should look at the Alliance and we need to be scheduling more sec teams just, you know, rather than having our Alliance. Well, you know, a lot of that's on the sec too. They need to leave, you know, the confines of Florida yes. and stuff every now and then. They're starting to, but we need to see a lot more of that as far as college football goes. I mean, come on, Boomer. It's only been 30 years since Florida left the state for a non-conference game. <laughs> Literally, well, that's right? That's true, yeah. I mean, it's been 30 years, right? Yeah, it, it hasn't quite been two generations yet, so I, I guess you're you're right on that point. So. I but don't no, even just, play the teams of their own conference that often. I know. Right? That's, I mean, Because what was the stat I saw a couple weeks ago about how, like, uh, Alabama has gone to Pennsylvania more than they have Georgia for regular season games. Yeah, since yeah. I think they've only just, played Georgia like 13 times. Over yeah, that's just insane. I mean, but, 60 uh, years or something. I don't know. Yeah, but just play the games on campus the way it's supposed to be. That's how you'll build fans and get excitement, get those students coming back, get them to want to come back as, as alumni and ticket holders later on. This this isn't the NFL and you shouldn't be played as such. So play on campus, folks. It's not that hard. Absolutely. Well said. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy the show. I'm um, looking forward to uh, a victory, hopefully, this Saturday night in East Lansing. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Hoda Media Production.